0: Hey, this is Peyton Hopp, driver of the U98 Mike's Hard Lemonade in Saturday Night Hydro League, the Hydro Sim Racing League. I am excited to share that the Rooster Tail Talk podcast is a presenting sponsor of the fall series. There will be racing this fall as we take to the virtual lakes around the H1 series with our 10 race season starting on October 3rd. You can watch all 10 races with our streaming service on YouTube under UHL Hydroplanes. Do you want to join in on the virtual deck to deck racing? You can download the HydroSim game at uhlhydroplanes.com.
1: Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. It is October 17th, 2020, and this is episode 57. This episode is part two of our interview with David Williams. Last week, we aired part one. There was a delay in broadcast for this episode. I, I always try to have a new episode come out every Tuesday morning. But last weekend, I, unfortunately, it's embarrassing to talk about, but I fell in the middle of the night. It wasn't anything. I wasn't drinking, nothing like that. Just one of those stupid things where I was in a house I wasn't familiar with, and uh, there was bags on the floor which shouldn't have been there. And it fell and tripped and ended up hurting my ribs. Uh, luckily, nothing's broken. I don't think it's starting to heal up um it's just a really bad bruise but it's really sidelined me the past week with things one thing though about it it's really made me um really give praise to those who have gone through rib injuries and and done you know actually gone on and raced or athletes that have performed with rib injuries i don't know how in the world they do it it's this is one of the most painful things i've i've had done and in an earlier episode this year, we I aired the interviews of the after party for the Madison reunion from that movie, and David Williams talked about how he broke some ribs in a crash, and he went back out and ran, I believe later later that day, if not the next day, um, in the in the Miss Madison. And I don't, have no idea how the hell he did that. That's just that's remarkable to me that he was able to do that uh, without pain medication. And his it hurting your ribs? That's that's some serious stuff. It it hurts. Anyways. Today's episode, we are talking with David a little bit more about his background in hydroplane racing. He talks about the first days in volunteering with the museum and all the restorations the museum has been involved with. All right. Well, well speaking of hydroplanes, we need to get, we need to talk about that a little bit more, I think. There's a lot I want to ask you about and talk about, but I think just know yeah. a little bit more about your background before the early nineties when you started volunteering and became the executive director. Um,
0: I, it all started let's see how many different names I can put in the same story in about 1977 I bought a Larry Campbell uh, the 145 hydroplane and Larry Campbell had two sons um, Jeff and uh, Mike Campbell who uh, are the the brains behind the, the U9 and before that worked for the Budweiser so great racers but they they were much younger back then I bought a boat from that had been built by their dad, but it was owned by Jack Brow, who was Bill Brow's son. Um, I had that 145 uh, in my front yard in the house that I had over by Green Lake, and I was working on it, and a fella in a long, brown, big Cadillac drives by and rolls down the window and says, kid, kid, hey, kid, you like hydros? I said, yeah. Do you ever want to work on an Unlimited? Yeah. Well, my name's Bill Worcester, and I own an Unlimited, and I need your help. we got work going on the shop and we don't have enough people. So I went down to Bill Worcester's shop in about 1978 and began, or 79, I guess, and began volunteering for him. Um, And uh, before long, I was on Bill's crew, uh, traveling with him in 1980. Um, By 1980, well, by the end of the 80 season, I was his crew chief. Um, working for hydroplane and working, trying to make a full-time living and working in the hydroplane world back then was kind of tough because Bill didn't have any money. And when San Diego was over, the budget was gone. And, you know, to be honest, I was then working for Bill repairing vacuum cleaners and we were selling vacuum cleaners out of the phone book um, to try and make ends meet because that's sort of how Bill got through the winters back then. If you remember Kirby Classic Uh, bill was actually a vacuum cleaner salesman only guy i ever know that could run a hydroplane off his vacuum cleaner sales but um to try and make ends meet uh i went up to ed Carrollson's shop um and ed was beginning uh just getting ready to build an unlimited for a guy named john prevost ed hired me uh to work building the boat um and i spent a couple years with ed Carrollson. Um, then I went down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to head up um, Prevost Racing operation. He had uh, a couple phenomenal seven liters uh, called Chazam, uh, and he was building a single engine automotive unlimited um, that ended up racing as the Merc Cruiser. And um, John and I just, after a while, we we parted company, um, and. Um, I, uh, I got replaced there by a guy named Mike Hansen. You probably heard that name. Um <laughs> oh, yeah. in, in the meantime, uh, I wanted to get a Carrollson 145. So I sold my Campbell 145 to a guy named uh, Mark Evans. So you've got Mark Evans, you've got Mike Hansen, you've got me, you've got Prevost, you've got Jack Brow, you've got the Campbell brothers, you've got Carrollson. It, it um, but anyway, that's, um, that's how I got started in in hydroplane racing, and I was deeply involved through the, the mid '80s. Um, unfortunately, um, John Carrollson was a very good friend, and he and I were partners in in a new boat. Um, and John was killed in a in a racing accident, and I just kind of walked away from racing for a couple of years after that. Um, it was. Um, I think it was eighty three that John was killed. And in eighty one Bill Munsey was killed in eighty two Chenoweth was killed. Um, I think it was also in eighty one or eighty two that uh, that uh, that Neil Yapno was killed. We had been looking at him to drive for Bill in the u eight. Um, and then John Carrollson was killed. and it, you know that's a lot of people that were friends that I knew that died in a very, very short time. So I spent um, the next 10 years uh, not going to races, not being around races. Um, and uh, I actually, at that point was living in Atlanta. Um, and spent 10 years living in Atlanta, came back to Seattle um, in 92 and started hanging around the museum in 92. And um, that's the that's story about how I got started um, I was very involved in trying to make a living at it for a few years and then um, got out in the mid 80s after that rash of accidents and got back in about yeah. 10 years later.
1: When, when you came in and helped out the museum, was that around the time they were restoring the slow motion floor? I don't what year um,
0: no, it was. A, we were done with the slow motion, not we, your dad <laughs> was done with the slow motion four and the Hawaii Kai, and we were doing the slow motion five. Okay. Um, okay. So that started, I can remember walking in the door in September 13th, 1992, um, and uh, seeing your dad, and your dad and I had been friends since 74. i would known him for um, a long time. Um, and I began to volunteer on the, the five crew. Um, and uh, then we ran the five that summer. Um, we started the, the thriftway. Uh, restoration, the White Thriftway, the 59 Thriftway, mm-hmm. in September of, um, of 93, finished out in 94, um, and then I, by 96, I was director of the museum.
1: Okay, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, you, you speak about those those restorations coming out. I, I yeah. just think about how many, you know, restorations over the years that the museum has done. Do you Have you kept yeah. track of, of how many of that has been?
0: Well, yeah and no. The answer is somewhere, and I'll explain this, somewhere between 21 and 26. Wow. Um, because we haven't, I, I can tell you that we've touched on 26 unlimited hydroplanes coming through the museum. But can we take credit for the restoration of all 26? There, there are boats like the Chemuscatel's um, Miss America 8 that was actually restored by uh, primarily Ike Keel Gas and the Antique Grace Boat Foundation before the organization became the Hydroplane Museum. Um, there are other boats, um, like Ken Muscatel's Miss Detroit 3, that uh, now we had the engine at our shop for years, um, installed the engine in the boat, but we didn't really do the engine restoration, we didn't really do the boat restoration, um, but it's a, it's a boat that we had that we handled it, um, that we were involved in. So actual, you know, from the ground up restorations, I can say twenty-one. Um, as far as boats that we've handled that have been in our shop that 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 we call part of our collection, it's twenty-six.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's Don't a make a name of all. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the true quiz right there, right? Well it's yeah that's an impressive number to for the, the museum to have restored and been a part of. Uh,
0: that's well tough, it, tough, it's tough it's lot. impressive for a bunch of amateur volunteers who started um and it's been fun to watch this evolution because we started as, as I'm sure you know um a lot of RC racers you know it was Don Mock yeah. it was
1: um
0: it was your dad it was um you know it was the RC guys and then also um some memorabilia collectors and um we somehow were able to put the boats together and keep them running and um, and now I'll walk in the shop and I'll see Mike Hansen and Larry Hansen and um, John Watkins and David High and Danny High and Tim Ramsey. And it's like, you know, these guys are out there running turbans and can run turbines too. Um, so we have a very high level of professionalism now, not to say anything against um, what we were doing back in 82 or, or 92, 93, 94, but it's been really fun to watch it change from just just fans to some really
1: highly skilled boat racers yeah well i mean my dad my dad always said though i mean those are just some they're bigger models right so it's you know it's all yeah so it's (laughs) rc modelers helped out and i know they did a lot as well yeah it takes a lot of people to to make it happen it takes volunteers Uh to make this happen like what does it take in, in in terms of restoration hours, man hours, and cost to make one of these fully restored?
0: It is – when we started doing restorations, um, we tried to do one a year. And um, we tried to do it as inexpensively as possible. And we tried to restore boats to the way they would have looked when they were racing back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, We pretty quickly found out that that's not good enough. Um, because people are used to what uh, let's say the home street bank looks like today with everything uh, chromed and polished and anodized and beautiful paint job. And if you bump two boats together, well, you're going to paint the home street before it goes back to the next race. Um, You know, it wasn't like that. Uh, Even the big boats, the name boats, the slow-mos, those were thriftways. Those were pretty ratty looking boats, Midway through the season, um, and if they bumped each other, well, then you just had you know chipped paint and a big scar on the boat until maybe you repainted the next season. Um, but people would not accept coming out and seeing uh, you know a, a 58 Miss Bartall that had runs in the deck or 58 Miss Bartall that had scratches. Uh, so everything has been uh, quality-wise, appearance-wise, has been upgraded to um, to show room quality. That being said, it, the restorations are taking much longer, but we used to do a, a boat a year. Now it takes three to four years to do a boat. Um, it takes an easy 250 to $300,000 to restore a boat wow. and probably 4,000 man hours. Wow. Um, and so, all right, let's look at the numbers and say, how many boats have we restored? 21? And it takes a quarter million bucks to do a boat. I can tell you, when I start adding up, by lay all my tax returns down and and look at how much money that we've spent since 1992, the museum has raised and spent about $8.5 million dollars on restoring vintage unlimited hydroplanes. People tend to think, oh, well, it's not a real race boat. You don't have to spend real money. And it's not going to go real fast. And, um, you know, we put as much effort and sometimes more. You know, I've, I've worked with contemporary turban teams and I've seen some turban teams do work that we would not accept at the museum and, uh, you know, vice versa. But uh, it takes real money and real work to put these both together. And, and I get a little bit of a, I'll just say it's a kick. I, I kind of, smile to myself. when I see people on Facebook that start to give me advice saying, you know, you need to restore this vote and you need to restore that vote. And I think, you know, such and such a vote should be out there. It's like, then if, if you think that, then you come up with a quarter million dollars.
1: Right. <laughs> <You know>? right. <laughs> well, I think that's something that, you know, the, the common fan doesn't understand what it really takes to to get it done. It's not just throwing some paint on it and calling it yeah. good. There's so much that goes involved with it. So...
0: Just... Well, and I often tell people, you know, it's, it's vintage racing and, and we're, we're, we're not running at 10 tenths. We're running at, you know, 7 tenths. But it's still at 150 miles an hour. Physics doesn't know you're not really racing. Right. You know, inertia and, and, um, and your G forces don't know that you're not really racing. So we have to make the boats as actually, I would say just about every boat we have is, is stronger safer um more sturdy and probably more beautiful than they were um when they were brand new i certainly heard that a lot from from ted jones and ron jones and ed Carrollson all said oh we'd never we would have gone broke if we had to make boats look like this when we were racing boats
1: well it's got to make you feel good when the professional designers and builders comment on on the work coming out of the museum like that yeah yeah well is there any any restoration that's a favorite or has it just held, holds a special place in your heart out of all those?
0: Um, it, it's sort of like asking a, a father who his favorite kid is. I love them all. <laughs> they're all different. Um, <clears throat> they're, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they're all very special. Uh, there are some boats that are just, gosh darn, fun to drive. Uh, some boats are fun because they get a tremendous response from the fans. Um, but they're all, they're all wonderful. Well,
1: that's, that's not the answer I wanted, David. But uh, <laughs> oh,
0: all right. Well, well. <laughs> gee, I didn't. Your dad run a Griffin Bud model for a while. I seem he, to remember he it was really. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. All right. So then, of course, it's the Griffin Bud. Okay. That's all right.
1: Point. That's that's what I wanted to hear. Okay. Does Thank that you make you happy? It does. Thank you. Good. All right. Well, I want to talk more about the museum. Okay. But before I do, I want to talk a little bit more about your, your experience driving boats and racing boats. Sure. Uh, around 15 or so years ago, uh, I believe I have the time frame right, you had the opportunity to race in H1. You raced yeah. for Greg O'Farrell. You also raced under for a little bit with Ken Buscatel's team. I just want to hear what, yeah. what was the experience like. Oh, wait, go ahead. Well, I was going to say and drove one
0: race for Mike Jones. So I, I think I was Mike Jones' oh. official driver for for two entire seasons, but we only went to one race in those two seasons. Okay, I forgot about that, um, I forgot about that.
1: But what, what was it like for you? Was that a dream come true?
0: It, it was a dream come true. Um, it, it started like so many things in kind of a quirky way. Um, in 2003, um, I hope I'm remembering the years right, um, Bob Hughes and I were talking, and Bob essentially was the owner of the Miss Madison. Uh, he put, Bob owns Clifty Engineering and puts up the majority of the money for the Miss Madison. So he's the owner's representative. Um, and Madison was sponsored by Oberto. And I had our um, Savior's Mist Hull that has played the Madison in the movie. Uh, it was painted up as Oberto. And Bob Hughes was looking at it with, with boat lust. And he said, oh, I would love to drive that boat. And I said, well, it's easy. I'll let you drive it. You just let me drive your turbine. Um, and I didn't, in a million years, think that he was going to say yes. But he said, okay. Um, and the next year, 2004, in San Diego, um, I got to qualify the Turbine Alberto. Um, I remember sitting down with Steve, uh, David, before we went out, and Steve looks me in the eye and says, do not go over 165 miles an hour. Um, and uh, he gave me a little bit of advice, and that boat, It was a very, very nice forgiving boat, very easy to drive. Um, And I think I went out, ran three laps. The first one was 117, just getting used to the boat. The second one was 135. um, And the third one was in the the low 130s. And I brought it in. Um, And my wife never lets me forget because I got out of the boat and I hugged her. And I said, yeah, I'm not sure I ever really need to do that again. And uh, then we went out to dinner that night and about midway through dinner. I look at it and say, you know, I think if I tighten up my transitions out of the corner, I can probably pick up a couple miles an hour. And if they let me use the wing, I know I can get it over 165. And uh, I had decided that I wanted to drive. So I, I talked to a number of owners and actually had a couple of different projects going together. Um, things fell apart in the 2005 season. In the 2006 season, I worked with Greg O'Farrell to secure the Michigan Mortgage Sponsorship. Um, and the, the deal was for me to run the East Coast Circuit, um, and I qualified in Evansville, um, and um, it was, it's a pretty amazing experience. Um, people that are fans kind of have a, a backwards notion, because you see the open cockpit piston boats, and they're loud, and they're noisy, and they're bouncing around, and it looks like they're tough to drive, and you see the turbine boats, and there's, They're quiet and they just sort of, their sponsons tick and they walk um, and and they look really beautiful. Oh my God, there's nothing more violent than driving a turbine hydroplane. Um, And you just get the the living heck beat out of you. I didn't realize how how violent it was and how exhausting it was. You're strapped in, um, so every bump is transmitted right into your spine. When you're sitting up, you know, a, a, piston boat has a, a three or four inch padded seat and you're sitting up and your body is sort of loosey goosey and it sort of rolls and bounces. Um, when you're strapped into a turbine, you are strapped literally to a sheet of one inch aluminum, uh, one inch honeycomb aluminum that's getting pounded by the water. You feel everything, but it was awfully cool. Um, and, uh, I ran, um, ran in, uh, Evansville and, Ken drove in Madison, and I drove again in Detroit, and lo and behold, well, would, that, was, that was a neat weekend because I was there with the Griffin Bud, and the Griffin Bud was just phenomenally well-received in Detroit, and um, Ken and I, I think we got a first and a second. I drove one, heat; he drove the other, but we ended the first day, you know, Saturday at the end of the Gold Cup, we were leading, which is real improbable, and uh, I I prayed so hard for rain and wind that night (laughs) because if they canceled sunday event we would have won um well our lead in the gold cup lasted about 10 seconds into the first lap of the first heat of the second day um and we ended up getting fifth place overall but just to to enjoy that experience of of you know driving in the gold cup and and actually leading it for a short while um Funny thing, the the museum director's job is never done. We had a volunteer, who will remain nameless, um, who was in um, deteriorating mental health. Um, He had brain cancer um, and he was working on uh, one of the vintage boats. And we told him that really, we just couldn't, he couldn't travel with us unless his wife could come with him and his wife couldn't come. So we thought we left him in Seattle. I'm, you know, we finished Saturday at the Gold Cup, and as I said, I'm leading, and I'm driving the rental car up Jefferson Avenue back to the hotel, and my cell phone rings, and it's this particular volunteer's wife who says, oh, I let him go to the race in Detroit, and he's just had a head-on car accident on the freeway, and they're transporting him to the hospital. Can you find out what's going on? Oh, my God. (laughs) And, And he was... He was not hurt, but he had gone wrong way down an entrance. Um and he did have a head on accident and nobody was hurt, but it was a pretty traumatic night. Um so that's how I got to spend my one night as a as a gold cup leading driver was trying to sort out this poor volunteer who needed then a flight back to Seattle and medical attention and so it wasn't what you think where, you know, you sit in the restaurant and you you know. Yeah, you, tell stories, and it, it it was it was a whole different experience for me. But anyway,
1: that was you, that it, was my night in Detroit. It gave you it gave you a memory at least, right? <laughs> it, it did.
0: Um, and and then uh, in two thousand and seven and eight, I I put together the Go Fast Turn Left race team with Greg O'Farrell. I was team manager and driver, um, and the intention had always been for for someone else to to be the team's driver, I was sort of the 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 older guy putting it together, and we were going to bring in. You know, Brian Perkins was the number one choice even at that time. Um, I wish I could have driven a little bit more because we were we were right on the cusp, of doing some good stuff with that boat. Um, I don't know uh, the one the one really good heat I had in the Lake Ridge paving um, in 2008. We were we were in. Tri-Cities and finally had the boat hooked up and was running fast. I was ahead of Greg Hop, and right behind David Bryant in um, in Kim Gregory's U ten. And going into the last turn on the last lap, the rudder broke off and the boat spun 360 yeah. at darn near two, I mean, we were buck eighty, buck ninety. I mean, there was we were hauling the mail. Um and that was sort of the last hurrah for, for that boat uh, and for me in that boat. We put on a, a backup rudder for seafare and the thing pulled and wanted to lay over on its nose and was just a handful to drive. It was also a bad weekend for a, a number of things. That's the weekend that your your dad had his heart attack. He was working. Yeah. Um, we had two boats. We had the 48 and the 50 and he was working on the 50 for Brian Perkins. Um, and, uh, well
1: yeah we all really, know how that ended yeah and then he passed away uh yes. not, not too long after that yeah that was uh that was that was a hard time yeah I don't... It, was, it was hard for all of us yeah yeah
0: um and then i came back the the following year um in 2009 and i drove for mike jones and we had um, mike told me uh, as as you know we were putting the program together he said i want to sell the boat um, I'm going to turn you way down on fuel. You're not going to have any fuel at all. Uh, you'll be able to qualify, but you're not going to be able to race. I just want the boat out there so people see that it's, you know, it's a good boat and it's available. Um, and that was a, that was a complicated weekend. That was the same weekend that uh, we had Myra Slovak up, uh, and I gave Myra Slovak a ride in the Wahoo. Um, and uh, there was a lot going on that weekend. I wish that I had known. At the time, that that was sort of my last, um, my last turbine run, um, and and I would still, I would still love to drive a, a turbine again, um, but that's just not is in the cards right now.
1: Yeah, well, maybe uh, you never know. Maybe one day the museum will get a turbine restored and you can, you can drive oh, it again. That. again I, right? we're
0: working <laughs> I have an engine and I have a couple gearboxes. We just there need we the right hull
1: there we go. <laughs> you got some time in, in H1, and uh, you got to yeah. enjoy that, and experience that, but you're more known for driving, you know, the vintage boats, and yeah. giving up rides, and going exhibitions with that, and you've it seems like every time, you know, the museum's out there, you're, you're driving one of the boats. I know you talked about driving the Budweiser really, but, you know, i reading the book on Myra. He always logged his hours on on his air, airplanes, and, yeah. and that's a common, you know, air, air pilot thing to do, sure. but have you have you kept track of all your laps that you've done? Do you have a log of your laps that you've done I, over the years? I
0: I do not. Um, I have. I, I can tell you that I've driven 24 different unlimited hulls. Um, wow. Chip Hanauer in his career has driven 24 unlimiteds. The only guy <laughs> to drive more is Fred Alter, and I think Fred has 26 different hulls. Now, now there's some guys, um, Greg Hop and Jerry Hop, that have driven the same boat under a bunch of different names. So if you look in the log books or the record books, it's like, oh, wow, they drove a whole lot more than 24 boats. But when you get right down to it, a lot of those are the same boat with a different name. Right. But uh, so I can tell you, I, everything from, um, you know, the 1918 uh, Miss Detroit to the to the U nine, uh, I mean, when I drove the U nine, as I said, we were way down on fuel. But that's the same boat that, um, know, yeah, that uh, Andrew Tate drives now. So I've driven a lot of different boats. I'm I'm one of I think two people, maybe three. I think Ken Muscatel, Jerry Hop, and I have all driven um, Allison, Merlin, Turban, and Griffin. Oh wow! I I believe. I mean, I know that I've been driving Vantage Unlimited for 27 years and a quick sort of thumbnail calculation puts me at not quite 10,000 laps. Um, <laughs> so well,
1: it's, 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 a few,
0: <laughs> it's a few, I I wish yeah. that I had kept track in the early years because that would have been fun.
1: Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and I can I'm tell sure you with
0: absolute you, certainty, it's over 6,000 laps and I think it's, it's, yeah it's well, closing in on ten thousand.
1: well i'm sure back then you weren't really thinking about that you're just living in the moment and just excited to be you know driving the vintage to, boats yeah. out there yeah so yeah wow well that's pretty impressive what have you driven an automotive powered yet
0: i have not well I've, i add? haven't driven automotive unlimited i've driven automotive powered limited of course okay. but okay. never driven automotive unlimited
1: okay okay let's see add, you can add that to your your palette there yeah. <laughs> Well, I hope you've enjoyed our episode. Make sure you come back next week to listen to our next episode. We release new episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates on Hydro News, check us out on social media. We're on the major players Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rooster Talk is also online with our website, www.roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for an email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydro News, podcast updates, and much, much more. Finally, this is a free podcast to all of our listeners. And if you're really enjoying your experience and want to help us to continue to grow and expand, please donate. You can find a link to donate through PayPal on our website through the support tab. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.